0: Turn with me to Luke chapter 22, verse 31. Thankful for what God is doing and the opportunities He's setting before us. Even before we realize that He's setting things up for the church. Luke chapter 22, verse 31 says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon. Behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen
1: thy brethren.
0: Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren." Let's put our Bibles down tonight. Let's pray, Lord Jesus. God, we welcome your presence that's in this place tonight. God, we want you to operate wherever you want to operate. We want you to do whatever you want to do, God. God, we are thankful that you are here tonight. God, we want you to speak to us. God, we want you to have your way in us, God. God, we want you to change whatever you desire to change. God, we love you. We're thankful to be filled with your spirit. We're thankful for your faithfulness. We love you. In Jesus' name, why don't we clap our hands to Him? Amen. You can be seated. I'd like to speak to you tonight from this subject, the master of the wind. The master of the wind. Threshing floors is a frequently used biblical metaphor, and it was a common sight in the Middle East. The threshing floor was a key part of the agricultural process. Grain that was harvested from the fields would never be ready to market unless it first passed through the threshing floor. It was at the threshing floor that the good was separated from the bad. The wheat had this hard outer husk called chaff. It's a heavy husk that grows around the rich kernel of wheat. It's thick. It makes the wheat unusable if it is not removed. In old times, the wheat was put on what is called the threshing floor, and that's where the chaff was removed. It's a place where the shaft was separated from the wheat. The process was simple. The cut stalks of grain were spread on the flat stone threshing floor, and a heavy sled of board and stone was pulled over the wheat by a team of oxen. The combination of the weight, the pressure, And the grinding of the board and rocks placed on the boards. This process of threshing would cause the heads of grain to burst from the stalks. However, when it was finished, the oxen are finished on a threshing floor. The threshing floor was littered with a chaotic mixture of good and that which is useless. Mixed grain with useless chaff blended together. Some good, valuable, usable grain and some worthless waste that simply served to diminish the value of the whole harvest. It was the second step in the process that helped to separate the valuable from the worthless. The harvester would stand in the middle of the threshing floor with a threshing instrument or a shovel and begin to toss the broken, bruised stalks of wheat into the air. And as it rose into the air, the wind that blew across the threshing floor would catch the lighter shaft and the stalks and leaves, and blow them to the side while the heavier grain would fall back to the earth at the feet of the harvester. The process of separation required wind, and the threshing floor were were established where the breeze was most likely to blow. In places like large open fields, or on the tops of hills, or windswept sides of mountains, quickly became threshing floors and were used for that purpose by generation after generation. They became highly valuable places that were well known and were often used as meeting places or landmarks because everyone knew where the threshing floor was. Because the process of separation that was accomplished on the threshing floor, it quickly became a frequently used biblical symbol. God seems to be drawn to a threshing floor. As a matter of fact, you may not be aware of this, but when God tested Abraham's faith, He told him to take the boy and all the fixings for the sacrifice, the wood, the fire, the knife, and set out on a journey to a mountain that God would reveal him. God laid Abraham, led Abraham on a three-day trek to a mountain named Moriah. And there, on the heights of Mount Moriah, at a wind-swept flat place on the side of that mountain, Abraham built an altar unto God upon which to offer his promised son. It was the hand of God that intervened and spared the life of Isaac, but not until the faith of Abraham had been tested. That same wind swept flats where the wind of a severe trial and test Blue upon Abraham's life, would later be used as a threshing floor for successful generations to come. And would remain so until David committed that grievous error of placing his trust in the number of his armies and God sent a terrible plague into the land. As David realized his wrong and sought a place of repentance, the prophet of God would instruct him to go to that same wind swept flat of ground where Abraham built and David built an altar to God. On that day, David purchased Ornan's threshing floor and sacrificed the oxen that had been used for the threshing up to the Lord. In that act, He stopped the plague and spared the nation. But he also learned a valuable lesson. The source of his strength was not the size of his armies or the number of his chariots. The source of his strength was in God. That fundamental truth was reinforced on the threshing floor that day. One day, just a few years later, we find Solomon would follow in his father's footsteps and lay the foundations of the house of God upon the threshing floor that David purchased for Ornan. The exquisite glory of Solomon's temple would be built in the same windswept flat of the heights of Mount Moriah that had long been established as God's threshing floor. So it comes as no surprise tonight that Jesus employed the metaphor of a threshing floor when he began to warn Peter of the danger that lay before him. I believe that there is a significant lesson to be learned from the threshing floor that is applicable to the life of every believer under the sound of my voice in this house tonight. We jump into our text with a startling and discouraging revelation. Jesus said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you. He wants you, Simon Peter, that he may sift thee as wheat. Satan desires you. The original language says it a little plainer. A more direct translation would say that Jesus—I'm sorry—Satan has asked, and he has obtained permission, and obtained by asking that he may sift you. As we, Simon, Simon, it's already happened. It's in the works. Just like he came to God and inquired about Job. And just like he obtained permission from God to test and attempt Job. Peter, Satan has you in his sights. And he is already determined to test you. He has asked and he has obtained permission to take you to the threshing floor to shift you, sift you as wheat. Satan has desired to tempt you. He has set out to prove that ye are shaft and not wheat. You're the worthless part. You're not the valuable part. You're the light part that's easily blown away. He believes that when the wind blows in your life, He believes that when the harsh wind of the threshing floor assails upon you, that you will be blown to the side like worthless chaff. He is determined to turn your attention upon you and to prove that ye are a failure, that you are a fake, that there's nothing good in you, Simon, Simon. He thinks that he has you all figured out. He thinks He has keyed in on your weakness and He believes that He can bring a storm in your life that can bring a circumstance, that can bring a situation, a wind that will blow and after the wind and after the storm, you are going to join the ranks of those who have shipwrecked their faith. Simon, Simon. So He's asked... And He's begged. And He's been granted the opportunity to place you on the threshing floor and loose the wind upon your life. But Jesus doesn't stop there. In verse 32 of our text tonight, Jesus says, But I've prayed for thee that thy faith fail not i prayed for thee peter that your faith fail not notice what jesus didn't say he didn't say i prayed that you will be spared from the threshing floor he didn't say I prayed that the wind wouldn't ravage your life. No, he said, I prayed that when you're on the threshing floor and the wind of trial and tragedy tears at your soul, your faith will not fail. I've prayed that when the wind blows fierce, When failure haunts you and defeat comes to claim you, that your faith in me will be enough to see you through. I don't know if you notice this or not, but trials and tests are just a normal part of life. Every man is tempted when he's drawn of his own desires. And the Scripture says, and enticed All of us find ourselves over and over again in places where our faith is tested, in places where we're tempted to just throw in the towel and walk away. If you attempt to live for God for any length of time at all, you'll find yourself in places and times where everything that you strive for is challenged and in a moment of weakness you'll be tempted to throw it all away and return to the life that you left behind the threshing floor is where that sifting takes place the winds of trial temptation and circumstance blow forcibly across the threshing floor and drive the chaff from the wheat separating the good from the bad. And Jesus announces to Peter that he's headed for a threshing floor because Satan has desired to prove that Peter is just chaff and that his faith was a fragile, weak thing that would be blown away in a coming trial. But God, in His infinite wisdom, refused to shelter Peter from the wind of the threshing floor, knowing that that same wind that Satan believed would destroy him would instead establish Peter in his faith. I believe here tonight that the threshing floor serves to illustrate the difference in the way that Satan and God view the same set of circumstances. What Satan views as a temptation, God views as a test. And the difference is the viewpoint. Satan, through the fire of temptation, strives to bring out the evil and the carnality that is in explicitly ingrained in our own fleshly nature. While God in the same circumstance strives to establish you in your faith, the same wind that blows away the chaff also reveals the wheat The same trial that proves what is wood, hay, and stubble also serves to reveal that which is gold and silver tried in the fire. The same wind that serves both purposes, it blows away the shaft and it establishes the wheat. And Satan desires to place Peter on the threshing floor because he believed that the wind would destroy Peter but Jesus prayed that his faith would stand not that he would be spared the trial but that he would emerge from the trial stronger than when he went in not that he would be spared the wind but the wind would serve to establish him in his faith I want to point something out to you tonight. God doesn't stamp out evil in our lives. He doesn't hold back the storms or the trials of temptation. Instead, He uses them to serve His eternal purpose to make you what you ought to be. He works through trying times, taking that which was intended for evil and turning it into good. He allows trials to come and blow upon your life to establish in you what He intends for you, for you to become everything He desires you to be. He takes that which is intended to destroy and instead harnesses it for His purpose for our good. It's a theme that's echoed throughout the Scriptures Out of terrible tragedy emerges tremendous triumph. Out of seemingly horrible defeat, there arises incredible victory. God takes betrayal and turns it into blessing. He takes deliberate. he takes sickness and renders it into incredible healing. He takes death and turns it into a testimony. Over and over again, out of the eater comes meat. Out of the strong comes sweetness. Out of the bitter flows the refreshing. You need to recognize God isn't afraid of the threshing floor because he's the master of the wind. The same wind that serves to blow away the shaft also serves to reveal the grain. The same wind that brings out the bad also serves to establish the good. The same wind that was intended to be a curse under the guidance of the master of the wind becomes a blessing. He works all things together For good. That's why James can say in James chapter 1 and verse 2 and 3, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Verse 12, blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord hath promised to him that love him. James said, count it all joy when you fall into different temptations. Knowing the trying of your faith worketh. Blessed is that man that endureth temptation for when he is tried He's going to receive the crown of life which God the Lord had promised him. What is he saying? Is don't be dismayed when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. Because the same wind that seeks to strike you down brings your faith to center stage. And if In that moment when everything is questioned. In that moment when your faith is challenged. If you can find the strength to stand firm in your faith. The threshing floor is only going to bless you. Because the master of the wind will cause it to strengthen. Cause it to establish you instead of destroying you it is an eternal truth that it rains on the just and on the unjust alike it is the unavoidable fact that time and circumstance happiness to us all trouble tragedy trial will visit you in times and places in your life when you least expect it. But you must grasp the simple understanding tonight. Satan may seek to destroy you and winds may blow through your life that originate with evil intentions. But God alone is the master of the wind. And regardless of the intentions of hell, the wind simply serves him and him alone. That is why Peter can say, first Peter 412, beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happeneth, happen to you, but rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. That's the attitude of someone who knows the winds may blow in my life, the threshing floor may scour my soul, but if I stand firm on Faith, the glory of God will be revealed when His glory shall be revealed, not in spite of the wind, but because of the wind. He's the master of the wind. First Peter 1 6. Peter said wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through the manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found under praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. That's the confidence of a true man and woman of God in the middle of some storm or fiery trial that has learned a simple lesson. I serve the master of the wind through the manifold of temptations, through the heaviness, through it all, through the trial of my faith. He said that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perishes though it tried my fire might be found under praise and honor and the glory of the appearing of Jesus Christ. It can blow in my life but it won't destroy me. It can rise up against me, but it won't break me. It can come screaming through everything that I hold dear, but if I stand my ground and keep my faith, I'm going to outlast the wind. And that which was meant to destroy me will instead strengthen me. And when the storm passes... And the wind dies down. And all that remains is praise and honor and glory at the appearance of Jesus Christ in my life. The refiner's fire burns away the dross and refines and purifies the silver. In the fiery furnace, impurities melt away. Under the high velocity of the wind, the things we don't need in our lives are blown away. It is in the fire of temptation that the impurities that plague our character and would eventually cause us to completely fail God are revealed to us. It is in the crucible of pain and tears and seemingly irreversible failures that the weak places in our lives are revealed and the bad that is plagued, the good is exposed within us. It is on the threshing floor that the old husk of the flesh is separated from the heart of faith. God told Israel through Isaiah that he has chosen the fiery furnace of affliction to refine his people. The refiner's fire burns hot, but it's not an unregulated heat. The regulator, the refiner controls the fire. It burns just hot enough to consume what is impure, but not hot enough to ruin that which is being purified. Because the fire, like the wind, serves the refiner of the silver. And God is going to bring you into some places where the fiery trial will test you. And seemingly defeat will strike at you. But mark my word tonight. He won't put more on you than what you can bear. The fire may be hot. The wind may be strong. But it will never be more than what you can handle with His help. Because he's the master of the wind. Isaiah 43 and 2 says, When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shall not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. It didn't say if you walk through the fire. It said when. When you walk through the fire, you have a very simple promise. It will not be hot enough, but it it will be hot enough to refine you, but not hot enough to consume you. When you find yourself On the threshing floor, you can rest assured the wind will not be enough to make you aware of the weakness in your life, but it will never be enough to destroy you if you keep your faith in the master of the wind. That's why Job can say in the midst of his affliction, Job 23 and 10, but he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. He knoweth the way that I take. When He hath tried me, when He's allowed me to go through the fire of a trial, I shall come forth as gold. It's not going to be so hot that it burns me up and destroys me, but it's going to burn off what is not necessary. It's going to take away those things that are contrary to my worship and my faith in God. He's going to burn off those things that are causing me to be pulled back away from where God wants to take me and what God wants to become of me. He's the master of the wind. He knows right where you're at. He has not given up on you. He hasn't brushed you aside. He knows right where you are. Hear me tonight. When he gets done with you, you're going to come forth as gold. This too shall pass. It didn't come to stay came to pass I want you to look at our text again tonight Luke 22 verse 31 the Lord said Simon Simon behold Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. You see, Simon has some issues that need to be revealed in his life. In the same hour that the statement is made, Peter has attempted to promote himself to the foremost place among the disciples. Arguing that he should be considered first among the number. Shortly after he vehemently resisted Jesus' efforts to wash his feet. Then in a moment before this statement made this audacious claim that he would follow the Lord to any lengths even to his own death. The problem was not the fervency of Peter's desire to be a disciple and follower of Jesus. The problem was his approach to accomplishing that task. Peter was fixated upon himself. The strong, rough fisherman who had probably never met a physical task that he couldn't overcome, had determined an end of himself which he would stand for the Lord by the power of his own strength. You see, Peter's problem was the source of his resolution. He has resolved by his own power that he will serve the Lord but he's about to learn a very valuable lesson. The wind of the threshing floor is about to blow through his life. And when it is finished, all reliance on self is going to be shattered. In the most vital moment, When his faith mattered the most, when his master was hanging in the balance, Peter's self-reliance would fail him. And he would curse as he denied the Lord three times before running into the darkness. A wash in tears of defeat. But the same threshing floor that served to reveal his weakness and bring him to his knees also served to strengthen his faith. After the dust settles and the wind dies down, And Peter emerges from the threshing floor. He does so with a certain assuredly that his strength is not in his flesh. The Peter that stands on the balcony of Pentecost is not the same brass Peter that wielded the sword in the garden all because of the wind of the threshing floor. Peter becomes the voice of the twelve. He becomes the established rock of the faithful. It's his voice that preaches the salvation message in Acts chapter 2, and God employs him to carry the gospel to the Gentiles. And he does it all with a right spirit and a faith that refuses to falter all because of the vital lesson he learned about himself in the threshing floor of his life. Closing. Would you stand with me tonight? So when Jesus looks at him that night and tells him the wind's coming, he goes on to say, but I've prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Not if, but when. When thou art converted. When you come through this. When you emerge on the other side of the threshing floor. You see, Jesus has no question if Peter's going to survive this trial. Jesus has no question whether or not the winds are going to destroy him because he's the master of the wind. He knows that the trial is designed to do what he's designed it to do. Peter, when you get on the other side of the threshing floor, when you come through the trial... And trouble you're going through. When you get through this circumstance that might seem like it's going to destroy you, I have a commission for you to do. Strengthen your brethren. The threshing floor isn't just for your benefit. Others are going to face the same thing you're facing talking to somebody tonight this is for you your testimony is going to be an encouragement to them Jesus told Peter strengthen your brethren God will put you in places to equip you for ministry every one of us is called to ministry every one of us is called to reach the lost world with the gospel God put you in places to equip you with that calling. You have walked through trying places and God has brought us through. Others will come along behind you and you can share that testimony of what God has done. They need to learn from your story that failure doesn't have to be final. They need to learn from your story that when you stand in the courtyard you think you've blown it all and you leave with tears of regret Peter didn't count himself as one of the disciples after that you remember when the angel appears at the tomb he doesn't just say go to my disciples he says tell my disciples and Peter because Peter doesn't even number himself among the 12 after that failure Peter somewhere down the road your testimonies going to strengthen someone else someone's going to hear the story of how you failed How you messed up, how you lost it all, and you ruined it all. But the grace of God established you through it all. And how the grace of God brought you through how your faith was strengthened. Somebody's coming along that needs to hear the testimony that Jesus truly is the master of the wind. They need to hear you say, He's trustworthy especially when the wind blowing. He's trustworthy, especially in the fiery furnace. He's trustworthy in the midst of the storm. I've come tonight to tell somebody you're going to make it through this. If you're here tonight, you're going to make it through this. You're going to make it through this trial. You're going to face this win. You're going to face through this stressing. floor. You're going to emerge with power and strength. You're going to make it through. And when you do, remember your testimony because someone else needs to hear it. Darkness will come. Trial will come. And it will challenge your faith. Keep your faith in Him. He's the master. Of the wind, would you come tonight when you come through this? He said, Strengthen your brethren. Someone needs to hear you serve a God of grace and mercy. Someone needs to hear that God allows trial to come into one's life, God allows the havoc. God allows the storm to make you what you need to be. Can we lift our hands tonight? Come on, if you're in this house tonight, and you're going through a time in a threshing floor right now, I need you to know that God is allowed the wind to blow, and He's allowing the shaft to be blown away, and you to stand in faith.